This podcast is brought to you by the Pan-European Network Connects with Children. We aim at developing better medicines for babies, children and young people by establishing a coordinated approach to facilitate the delivery of high-quality, regulatory-grade pediatric clinical trials across Europe for all age groups and diseases. In the project, 35 academic and 10 industry partners from 20 different countries have joined forces to overcome the hurdles standing in the way of clinical trials for children. Together, we are creating a world with better medicines for babies, children and young people. To know more, visit our website connectwithchildren.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date. Welcome to another episode of the C4C podcast. I'm your host, Rita, and in this episode, we will be talking about ethical principles in pediatric clinical trials. What are the basic ethical principles? Why are they important? And how should you respect them in practice? We will be talking about this with expert Pirko Lepola from Finland, Executive Secretary of Finnish Pediatric Research Network, and working also in the C4C National Hub in the Helsinki University Hospital. Thank you very much for joining, Pirko. I would like to start with some remarkable statistics that I found during my research. So, children represent 20% of the European population, but in 2020, only 11% of the clinical trials in Europe the European Clinical Trials Database targeted children. Why such a big discrepancy and does that mean there is a big need there? Thank you. That is very good finding and that is so true. And the main reason is that it's a really, really slow process to do these pediatric trials because the clinical trials in pediatric population are much more challenging trials than the adult trials in many ways. First of all, the the patient population is is really small and to get the valid scientific results, it needs certain amount of trial participants for each trial. And these patients must be recruited from several countries for each trial. And moreover, there is not enough national level networks or European level infrastructures to use so that you could find these patients easily. And uh, it is very time-consuming to search potential investigators who know about clinical trials and then have suitable patients for each trial and then set up a trial to many countries at the same time. And a very important thing is that the history of pediatric clinical trials is rather short. And that is why there is less experience on designing and and conducting these trials. And also important thing is that the children, they cannot participate without parents or legal guardians. And the ethics review processes can take much longer because if there is not enough experts in ethics committees to review these trial protocols, it may take more time. And also, it's quite demanding for the trial sponsors because they, because they need to create and design these uh, informed consent and assent forms according to the each national requirements and translate it into the several languages in Europe, for example. And also, there are regulatory requirements which are quite demanding for the, for the sponsors because of this European pediatric regulation. And, uh, for example, the pharmaceutical industry, they 
must provide more scientific evidence and prepare the specific pediatric investigation plans for each new medicines and for all age groups which will be studied. And these overall regulatory processes can take very long. There has been substantial delays before these trials have started. And all this takes so much time and the costs will be much higher than the adult trials. And that might be the reason why, why the percentage is, is so low currently. But we expect this to increase. And in short, what are the main rules then for children to be able to participate in a pediatric clinical trial and how do they differ from the adult regulations? Well, there are so many rules that if, if these would be explained thoroughly, it would take a half a day or whole day. The most important one is that participation to clinical trials is voluntary for everyone. And this same principle, of course, is, uh, applies to children and adolescents. And secondly, now there is this new legal demand for study investigators and study personnel that they must be trained and they must have experience in working with children. And this is especially required for those persons who are doing this interview for the infant cons consents in the um, infant consent discussions. And also there is this official requirement now to include minors into this infant consent procedure, this interview in the beginning of every uh, trial. And in these interviews, children should be allowed to express their feelings, ask questions, have time to think what they want and discuss with parents or guardians before they make any decisions about the participation. But the most important part of this is that the investigators' study personnel must respect the minor's explicit wish to refuse or participate. And one basic ethical principle is that the children and the parents can also discontinue or withdraw from the trial at any time during the trial before it ends. And that does not affect uh, the patient's care. And one important rule which need to remember is that children must not never be pressured or forced to participate. The new clinical trial regulation clearly prohibits all kind of incentives or financial inducements to persuade children to take part in these trials. And only such expenses can be covered which are directly linked to the trial participation. For example, the travel costs or lunch or something like that. And about the children, they can give a written agreement called assent, officially, if they are capable to do it. But it is not a legal document and it's not valid alone. This assent needs, needs always additional legal permission in the form of consent signed by legal guardian or parent on behalf of the child who has not reached the legal age of competence, which is usually 18 years in Europe. And the child's ability to give this own assent depends on the age and the level of understanding, of course, 
and the current health condition and the other circumstances, uh, for example, if it's about acute illness. And all given information to children needs to be age-adapted and presented in a child-friendly formats, including, for example, pictures. And the written language should not include any complex words and, and, and un, uh, non-understandable medical texts or long sentences. It must be easy to read and understand to both parents and the children. And do these stricter rules present a significant barrier to setting up new trials? Do they sometimes discourage companies or researchers that would like to set up a new trial? Well, do this uh, regulative and uh, new ethical requirements. This needs, needs really tra more training. And the, the main barrier in practice is usually the lack of infrastructure of the clinical trial sites. As I explained, the children need to be found through these trials from several countries and, for example, from children's hospitals. And if there is a not enough trained personnel in these sites and not enough time to do these trials, then it may be a really big barrier. And for academic researchers, all these requirements can constitute an extra barrier or extra burden and if, if they don't have enough supportive resources to do these. But for the pharma companies, it is usually easier to organize everything according to these various requirements because they have these full resources usually to do it. But it might be a challenge also for the companies to find these investigators and patients with these long recruitment processes and as well as meeting the differences in ethical requirements between these countries because those differ and, and these may be demanding and may cause delays. So that, in that sense, it may cause barriers. So I also saw that from the 31st of January of this year, there is a new centralized information system. So the European portal opened for clinical trial of application submission. What are the most important changes regarding pediatric clinical trials with these news? Well, it is much easier now to do the trial application process to this uh, to this system because it will be done once and and simultaneous to the several countries at the same time and this will help pediatric trials because those are usually always multinational and multi-center trials because these patients are scattered all over the uh, different countries multiple countries and so we also have a global text called the Convention on the Right of the Child. So it's not specifically on clinical trials, but more in general. Does, it, does this text actually mention clinical trials? If not, what does it say regarding the right to have the right treatment and medication? Or how can we link it actually to the development of clinical trials? Well, if we look at this United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child, we can see that it has been implemented through these current legal texts for pediatric trials because it recognizes the main aims of the convention texts and respects 
the child's rights and also the need for the protection. And these can be found in the convention texts. And this is important when the child do not have full capacity to make decisions. And this concept of best interest of a child is certainly seen in, in, in ethics guidance and also in these legal texts in many ways. And if I pick up some articles from this convention, for example, the Article 6 says that every child has the inherent right to life and that includes the right to reserve best possible health care and treatments what are available. So this is clearly about that the children need these new medicines. And the Article 12, for example, it says that children must have right to express his or her own views freely in all matters. And these must be heard. And this is, this is clearly in the legal text, that the children must be heard also in these trial discussions. And also, finally, the Article 24 is about the child's right to enjoy the highest attainable standard of health and facilities to treatment of illnesses, including the, the uh, necessary health care and appropriate care after, before and after the child is born. And this is really the core thing in, in clinical trials because this article urges to develop uh, new preventive healthcare, new medicines, and promote this international collaboration, what, we, what is done now within C4C. And this is really important one. I also saw there is a European Young Person Advisory Group. Can you briefly explain why it was created? How does it support the development of pediatric clinical trials? Well, the network was established in 2017 and it is formed by several groups from Barcelona, Liverpool, Aberdeen, Scotland and Lyon, France. And nowadays there is more than 20 groups in this network. They, they try to support the processes to establish new these kind of groups promoted by the clinical trial sites, working with pediatric clinical trials. And also they share good practices amongst the facilitators of these groups. And they also develop training resources for these young persons, uh, the young people. And uh, one of the most important goals for this eWipeNet network is to, to perform collaborative projects across Europe to provide the advice for the young people in these clinical trials. We're going to take a short break and then we will talk more in detail about C4C and also how to communicate with parents that have their children participating in the clinical trials. So stay with us. This podcast is brought to you by Connect with Children. We aim to establish a coordinated approach to facilitate the delivery of high-quality, regulatory-grade pediatric clinical trials in Europe for all age groups and diseases. In the project, 25 academic and 10 industry partners from 20 different countries have joined forces to overcome the hurdles standing in the way of clinical trials for children. 
Together, we're creating a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. Want to know more? Visit our website, connectforchildren.org, or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to stay up to date. So, Perko, let's talk a moment about the informative guide for informed consent and assent that you develop together with your colleagues. I read that it's based on the input of each different age group of children and their legal representatives as well. Could you tell us more about this guide? Yes, thank you. It is a kind of an easy to use tool and it was designed by the ethics working group of this Imprima, the European Network of Pediatric Research at the European Medicines Agency. And this guide provides a practical instructions how to design the the contents for the informed consent and assent forms for pediatric clinical trials and it's presented in a simplified table format and there is a five general and 25 study specific elements which need to be discussed with children and adolescents during this informed consent discussion this interview before trial can start and the selection of these topics is it totally depends on the project and the study protocol in case not all these topics are always included in every trial the only these five first main topics are common to all trials but these 25 you can select from per each trial and the table includes also many model questions coming from these young persons advisory groups and this guide is publicly available on on EMA and Imprima website for everyone who who designs or plans clinical trials for So what is the role of C4C in this work? How does it help investigators? Well, C4C is a member of Emprima and uh, many of the national networks are similarly members of Emprima as, as C4C. And there is a vast group of people and experts working both in C4C and at the same time in in other national research networks in children's hospitals. And there are many uh, young persons advisory group experts, clinical trial experts and pediatricians, the management people, all type of people who have worked both in C4C and these different working groups of Imprima. And these working groups have produced various type of of guidance documents, deliverables, like recommendations and so on for pediatric clinical trials. And and investigators can use these publicly, freely, as they want. And and this is really good support from C4C community to provide this support for Imprima and all these documents. So now we that we talked about all these available documents regulations, I also would like to talk about the communication with parents. My first question about that was actually on what are parents generally worried about when they're asked to let their children participate in a clinical trial? Well, probably from the investigator's perspective, the most challenging part is how to explain this concept of randomization, especially when the comparator is placebo and the family or, or the participants, they, 
they cannot decide or select a certain treatment group. And uh, of course, it can be even more complex if the study is blinded or double-blinded, how to explain these uh, options to the family's participants. These may cause worries. But it's essential to explain the reasons and, and the aim of the study very clearly. And for example, providing some practical examples or illustrations or pictures so that it is easier to understand the system. And sometimes the hesitation may come if, if this new if the study medication is very new, it's very new product. But usually these treatments are so weighted and welcomed that the hesitation it's it's not so uh, obvious because if there is a new improved element to, for the healthcare it's always uh, wanted and then what important points can be communicated to parents that have difficulties in understanding that pediatrical trials are necessary and have doubts then regarding the ethics well First of all, parents should know that the children are entitled to have equally good and high-quality health care as provided for adults. And it is also well studied already that children really need these new medicines because there are not enough medicines available for treating children's diseases. And so the aim always is to improve the health of the children. And this is really important point to communicate with parents. And it is also known that children's diseases need to be specifically studied within children and adolescents because adult medicines are not suitable for children. And children really need these safe and effective medicines which have correct dosing very important one, and which are easier to administrate and take, even for smaller children. And moreover, these clinical trials need to be done with all age groups, from birth to adulthood, from premature babies to, to almost adult adolescents. And this is important to explain to adults. And uh, it is also always good to demonstrate how big difference there is between uh, adults and children because of these biological and physiological differences and about how the body and organs processes and deals the medicinal compounds differently during the growth and maturation. And, and finally, it's important to explain that all clinical trials undergo very strict ethical pre-evaluation and also all trials are very well controlled and regulated by laws and guidelines. So it's really safe to take part in these trials. What resources are available online for communicating and reassuring parents of children that are candidates for a clinical trial? Well, currently the C4C can provide specifically designed training materials for parents and patients, there are several videos, for example, for the, about the pediatric clinical trials. And this is really good source of this information. And to finish, if you could give one tip to researchers on how to reassure parents about the ethics of pediatric clinical trials, what would it be? Well, I have learned during these past years that it's, it's very good if you are still unsure 
whether pediatric clinical trials are important, you can place two questions. The first question is that, do you think it's ethically accepted to do clinical trials with children? And then you have to place another question. Or, do you think it's ethically accepted to leave children without suitable medical treatments, medicinal treatments, or treat children with the medicines without knowing the correct dose, with the medicine having unknown safety profile and an unknown efficacy profile, with possible side effects or no effect at all. And then when you think the easy solution is that you don't have to even ask that first question because it's clear that the, the latter options are ethically not acceptable. And the children really need better health and safe medicines and by doing these trials because the children are the future. That was all for today's Connected Children podcast. By supporting clinical trials, we're working towards a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. To find out more, visit our website, connectedchildren.org, or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for more great content.